Hi, welcome to the EdChoice Chats podcast. This is Paul DePerna. I'm the Vice President of Research here at EdChoice, and I'm joined on the phone today with my colleague, Mike McShane, who's our Director of National Research. So, Mike, our teams have been throwing it down against each other over the last few days. Uh, your Chiefs got the best of my Steelers on Sunday, and then last night my Pirates actually, for once, uh, came back against your Royals. I wish I could say these games have some serious postseason ramifications, but alas, only wishful thinking, at least on my end. <laughs> I didn't realize until the game started that on my fantasy football team, I had Antonio Brown, the uh, Steelers kicker, whose name is escaping me right now, and Steelers defense. So I was in a packed bar uh, watching the Chiefs <laughs> game and kind of quietly saying, like, well, I if the Steelers are going to throw the ball, could it maybe go to Antonio Brown or like, look, a field goal here and there doesn't do anything. Or like holding the chiefs to a low number of points. As long as they still win, I think everybody can win. But the, both the kicker and the defense performed terribly, which while good for me and my compatriots, uh, just absolutely devastated uh, my fantasy team. So maybe in the <laughs> end, the Steelers get the last laugh on me. But, <laughs> and I have the Chiefs running back on my fantasy team, so I was kind of a little bit of a similar, but not at a bar <laughs> like, like you were. But uh, yeah, no, that's yeah, that's, you guys came out on top. But okay, well, we're we're not here to talk about our KC and Pittsburgh sports teams. As much fun as that would be, as yes, as fun as that we, would be. <laughs> oh, oh I, that could be a whole a whole another podcast series I think, for, for our choice. <laughs> Today, Mike and I are going to discuss our new EdChoice report, Do Over or Double Down, Working Toward a New K-12 Education Accountability Ecosystem, which represents the culmination of a lot of input and shared perspectives from a lot of gracious and talented people from all across the country. Yes, this really was a labor of love. Uh, both on our part and all the people that participated in it. So it probably it probably makes sense to start at the beginning. Uh, so, Paul, how did this report come to be? What what inspired it? Yeah, so this, go, this goes back a couple of years where really a lot of credit goes to Brian McGrath here at EdChoice, who pulled me aside. I remember we had we had a meeting just t- just trying to think about a different type of project for EdChoice uh, that was research-based, empirical uh, to some degree, and to try to utilize focus groups or gathering people in some way. And so we really were thinking about the design and, and the approach first, and it's really to Brian's credit to get the ball rolling with that. And then we had conversations with Robert Enlow, who's our president here, and we were thinking about you know what topics could really be well-suited for some type of expansive focus group project. And so we thought with some things really happening in the news and just developments in the policy world around accountability, that this could be a really good time to explore accountability very broadly because we've seen it within our area of work and school choice, but certainly accountability has a broad reach affecting various types of activities and reform efforts at the state and local levels. And with ESSA's enactment, the Every Student Succeeds enactment a couple of years ago through Congress and signed by President Obama, we thought that you know there would be some changes happening in the states and there could be just a really good opening for 
some exploration and truthfully some reflection before implementation really starts moving quickly in the states. And so there was the ESSA enactment and everything that came with that. And then also at the same time, and we've seen this even going further back where there's some years long pushback or at least some fatigue when it comes to state testing for purposes of accountability. And so that has continued to be in the news raising legitimacy questions and just feasibility questions, certainly moving from paper and pencil to online and computer-based testing. And so that also is kind of another interacting kind of factor. And then finally, I mean, we just thought that with all of our work and research on school choice and ed reform issues, we really, from our organization's perspective, wanted to see what the future of K-12 accountability could look like uh, on at least two levels. I mean, very broadly, affecting the whole range of folks engaged in K-12 education activities, such as teachers, students and parents, families, schools, and the larger governance structures at the state level. And so all those things combined, I think, are really a nice opportunity for EdChoice to put together this project and really seek out larger perspectives outside of school choice and outside of those who would be considered as quote-unquote experts on accountability, but really to try to look to others who are familiar with the issues, maybe not engaged in them on a daily basis, but really to get their perspectives and just get their points of view on how accountability has gotten to where it is today. And then finally, we really should make a special note to thank the generous financial support of the Walton Family Foundation who supported this project. And so without their generous support, we would not have been able to do this type of project, especially at the scale that we were able to pursue. So that's a little bit of background regarding the project and how it came to be. Mike, maybe would you want to take a couple minutes to say who are the audiences for this type of report and who we were trying to speak to with this project? For sure. I think we were really trying to have a broad audience for for this project, uh, obviously the report that comes out of it, this podcast we're listening to, other things that we're gonna that we're gonna do uh, around it, because everybody has a stake in school accountability, um, and I think that sometimes that's lost. We we oftentimes focus just on schools and teachers and how they intersect with school accountability systems, but fundamentally. I mean, school accountability systems are about what we as citizens want and expect from our schools. So I think that it's really important that everybody realizes that they have a role to play, a stake, an interest in in accountability policy. And so their opinion matters. So it matters what parents want from schools. It matters what teachers and professional educators think that children should learn and when they should learn it and how they should learn it. And also the the broader body politic matters because they have expectations. They're the ones that pay for all of this. And so (laughs) what they think, uh, what they think is important. So hopefully by also The way that we structured our focus groups, by trying to draw from a broad cross-section of the education community, we had a lot of different viewpoints represented, a lot of different stakeholders with their own kind of motivations and responsibilities. And so hopefully something within there will speak to everybody. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, that was a big thrust. I mean, we really wanted to make this kind of a, a big tent type of project really speak to and listen to really as many different perspectives as we could. And I think 
Uh, would you say, Mike, this is really a different type of research project compared to what we've done here at EdChoice in the past, where a lot of times we do like large-end studies or quantitative polling surveys, types of research projects, and this is this is a little bit different. Yeah, absolutely. We we have a, a strong tradition of great polling that we do both at the national and the state level and, and both quantitative and other forms of kind of qualitative or sort of quote-unquote thought leadership stuff. But we haven't done a lot of these focus groups. And so for me, as a researcher, it was fun. Um, it was definitely a challenge because um, I think in the end, you know, we had north of 30 hours of video of, of these sessions that took place. I think the transcripts lasted more than 700 pages. So trying to bring those ideas together into some kind of coherent form was was definitely a challenge. But maybe maybe it makes sense, Paul, um, if you do a little bit of the methods, because I think we've, we've been speaking kind of generally about what we're doing. Um, but if, if you could walk through exactly how we did what we did, and then maybe we'll, we'll get to um, how we made sense of all of that. Right. We'll get back to that labor of love that you referred to earlier. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So just to give a little bit of an overview of the approach that we took. So EdChoice hosted two back-to-back convenings of what we would consider folks who are influencers and connectors engaged around K-12 education generally. And we hosted uh, these folks just outside of Fort Myers, Florida, back in April, the last week of April. And the total substantive programming lasted more than eight hours. And what we did is we had four focus groups at each of these convenings. And each focus group roughly had six participants uh, we had a couple people who had to cancel as that kind of thing happens uh, as we got closer to the event. But generally, six per focus group. And then these focus groups at each convening, they were facilitated by Hanover Research, our partners at Hanover, and they led these focus groups. And so basically, the run of the couple days for each of these convenings went like this. In the morning, we had you, Mike, who did a terrific job giving a kind of primer on accountability which gave a historical lens to understand how we've come here and just a timeline of major events and developments when it comes to accountability in K-12 education. And so that kicked things off, and that assured that we had a kind of like common ground where everybody would have some common knowledge and shared knowledge about K-12 accountability. And then from there, we broke out the participants into their respective focus groups, or in the report, we also call them affinity groups, because each of these groups were organized in a way around where these folks are coming from and their professional backgrounds. And so we had four types of affinity groups. We had engaged outsiders who could be folks from the business world and private sector, people from like the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. We also had others from nonprofits like great schools And so they had this kind of outsider perspective. We also had advocates, policy advocates, who are folks who do a lot of work at the state level. We had practitioners who would be current or former teachers, also a principal, a superintendent. And then finally, we had researchers and scholars from mostly academic settings, some people who are coming from think tanks. So based on those four general affinity groups, 
Then they broke out into group discussions led by Hanover, and there were a series of sessions where we were asking them about how have we arrived where we are today when it comes to accountability. And then we asked them questions about the current state of accountability, and then we asked them to do a simulation. And maybe, Mike, you might want to go into this a little bit, how the simulation went, but we asked them to be given a set of circumstances where they were responsible for designing a type of statewide accountability system for a hypothetical Midwestern state, and how would they approach it? And just basically giving them a blank slate, what would they come up with for what they would see as a legitimate and useful statewide accountability system? Yeah, it was a really interesting process. I mean, uh, I, I think it made sense to, we, we started by looking backwards, um, and then we sort of came, so what lessons have we learned over the last 20 years of accountability policy? Then we brought it to the present and had a, a nice discussion around, so what is the current state of accountability? And then we tried to look to the future, both in the simulation where, yes, uh, their groups were asked to advise a uh, fictional Midwestern governor, uh, if they could design a school accountability system for, for that state, what would it look like? And then also the series of large group discussions, where in each case, over the, uh, over the course of it, I think we had 47 participants. And so in the two, two large group sessions, they had an opportunity to speak kind of across their affinity groups, so it, it, which was a fascinating process because it turns out oftentimes, you know, researchers and practitioners don't exactly see eye to eye on what the priorities <laughs> of an accountability system should be or, or other. So, so right. was, it was a really interesting, it was a really interesting mix up. Uh, again, we, we're super thankful for the folks at Hanover Research, who I think did a great job as facilitators and helped really kind of push and prod and get information out of folks. And so I do, I do think it yielded a lot of, a lot of really interesting information. They did do a wonderful job. And I thought it was interesting, too, like how these different affinity groups, and correct me if I'm misreading this, Mike, but I mean, it seemed like, you know, the researchers in both convenings, you know, they kind of gravitated towards looking at questions around measurement and what's valid, what's reliable, what's fair, what's useful, what's worked in the past, what looks promising right now. And then you had practitioners definitely looking at it from a, a kind of implementation perspective and how things get implemented and can be designed to a T, but then once it gets to school level and classroom level to carry things out, things can really change. The game plan can change. And then some of the other groups just really came from different points of view. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so if we look at the kind of like high-level things that I think that we learned from this, I think there was a much more agreement kind of looking backwards there was more agreement about some of the lessons that we've learned, and I yes. think a fair amount of agreement about the current state of accountability. And I think you're right that as we look to the future, though, different people had different priorities. So, so I think, look, if we look at the lessons that were learned, when we tried to glean from these conversations what we think the big takeaway, the big lessons of the last 20 or so years of school accountability policy, I think that the, the, the folks sort of focused on two things the successes of the accountability movement and some of the challenges of the accountability movement. And they were clear that they thought that there was, there was success, there has been success from the accountability movement in the focus and attention on equity, 
in promoting greater transparency, in helping uh, schools and families and communities become more data literate, and also that there was an improvement in test scores um, as a result of accountability. Um, now, that said, uh, you know, they did talk about some of the missteps or the challenges that they've had. There has been, I think, a pretty shared consensus, um, though not a unanimous one, that, that accountability policy has narrowed the goals of schooling, um, that it has incentivized uh, gaming, it's incentivized drill and kill strategies that sort of maximize test scores at the expense of real learning. And I think another uh, thing that lots of folks coalesced around was the belief that there's sort of school accountability and then there's teacher evaluation. And when teacher evaluation became part of kind of under the umbrella of accountability writ large, that was a serious problem. A lot of the pushback, right. I think our participants argued, um, a lot of the pushback that accountability sees now Really, the, the sort of gasoline thrown on that fire was deciding to try and ramp teachers into that as well. And so when yes. we look at the current state of school accountability, I think there's sort of four issues that people highlighted. Um, one is a kind of a lack of clarity of purpose. Why do we have accountability systems? What is the goal? Like, what, is, what are accountability systems trying to do? The second issue that's taking place currently is this idea of layering, that there are federal demands, there are state demands, and there are local demands. In many cases, there are assessments aligned to each of those demands, and this kind of patchwork layering of different levels of accountability. So schools are accountability to the feds, their accountability to their state, they're accountable to their local community and sometimes intersecting uh, ways. Uh, and it's incredibly frustrating for people. It's unclear um, and, and it's troublesome. I think the third thing that folks talked about with the current state of accountability is that we're not measuring what parents care about. People want a lot more from schools than simply reading and math scores. Um, and the, the, the kind of ways that we've tinkered around the edges, whether it's looking at graduation rates or others, still are not giving people the full picture of what they want to know about what's going on in their children's schools. And then finally, the, the, it's impossible to talk about the current state of school accountability without talking about the politics. It's clear that things like standardized testing and others are uh, increasingly unpopular. I mean, you, you saw with the, the example of the Common Core standards and the incredible controversy that was around there, again, things around teacher evaluation and others, that, that accountability has a political problem. Standardized testing that's based on has a political problem. And so any conversation about accountability moving forward has got to wrestle with the politics of it. So I think those were, again, from lots of different folks' perspectives, but that there was relative agreement, again, not universal, but a fair degree of agreement around both that kind of past and present uh, of the school accountability movement. Now, it got more complicated, as one might imagine, as we look to the future, right? <laughs> yeah. it's a lot more, it's a lot easier to, to diagnose problems um, and to maybe share these things when looking at the future. But I will say, then I think we were able to glean some ideas about how to move accountability policy forward. I mean, the, 
we identified them as sort of new priorities um, and new data and some new conversations that need to take place. So the new priorities, um, the number one thing, it appears, <laughs> that accountability proponents or states that want to have robust accountability systems do uh, need to do is to restore trust. There's an incredible amount of distrust with families, with communities, and particularly with educators um, that if you believe in school accountability, restoring that trust, getting people to believe in accountability systems, to believe that what they're measuring matters, to believing that they're being used in productive ways um, is, is incredibly important. And so policymakers, and again, accountability advocates, need to put in the front of their mind, is what we're measuring what matters? Are we using that data in productive ways? And if we aren't, we need to change that because that fundamental lack of trust is going to undermine everything that we want to do. We also said that there needs to be more consideration and honesty about trade-offs, that school accountability policy presents a series of trade-offs, whether those are trade-offs between sort of uniformity and diversity when it comes to the offerings that are available, when it comes to setting, you know, kind of high bars versus low low bars, all of those things involve a series of trade-offs that we have to be honest about. And I think that there was too much kind of magical thinking that took place that, you know, accountability policy is going to be all winners and no losers, or or the, the, the sort of losers in the system would be dramatically, uh, that, that was sort of dramatically downplayed. So we need a return to honesty about trade-offs. Um, and I think it's also true to be uh, much more focused around forming uh, human beings, that education is more than about sort of a narrow set of academic skills. It's about civics. It's about really um, forming, forming human beings that want to be not just productive in the economy, but in society. Right. Good citizens. Yeah, good citizens and live fulfilling life. So then as a result of this, we also talked about, and, and the report that we have, we won't belabor all of it now, did a long conversation about new sources of data. So it's like, if we want to collect better data on these more robust things, there's a whole list. I mean, I think we we bring forward 25 or 30 uh, different things that could possibly be measured. Obviously, all of these things have their pluses and minuses and would right. need to be discussed. But, but we wanted to have this be productive and sort of surface these things. And then we close with some, with some uh, debate uh, about all of that. But look... Paul, uh, you know, you, I, I think of you as a very uh, fair-minded person. Why? So, no. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> even though you are a Steelers fan, uh, you're That's a Steelers right. fan, I do think that you are of, of, of sound mind and judgment. Um, <laughs> but I think it's important. We're always trying to be conscious of what maybe critics might think. So I'd be interested, what, what do you think, when this, uh, you know, the paper is published, what do you think a critic might say about our paper? Yeah, I think that's something that we keep in mind, of course, when we're doing this type of writing and analysis. Yeah, just to anticipate any of those kinds of questions. I think it's like, who did we have in the room? And so, yeah, whether it's enough teachers or enough principals, people on the ground, practitioners, do we have enough folks who look at measurement? So I think it could be something around that, like how rigorous were we in terms of trying to bring different perspectives and these different affinity groups together? And it was something that we 
really tried to be as methodical and deliberate as we could in terms of inviting these folks who really, I mean, just blew me away for the one convening that I attended and observed. Just really the open-mindedness, really, that people brought. They were there to share their opinions, but that was something that really struck me, how people were willing to listen and wanting to learn. And we were there to learn. Now, hopefully that comes through in the report. And Mike, I mean, you did a lion's share of the writing and the analysis and going through those transcripts and the videos. I mean, it was really a yeoman's effort and terrific work that you did to lead up to this. And so we really tried to leave no stone unturned and be as rigorous as possible with this type of focus group series, which was a new thing for us, too. Yeah, and it should be clear that we, in appendices to the report, have the discussion guides that we used, the the questions that we asked, all that. So we were as transparent as possible in how we framed things, how we asked questions, and all of that. So, folks, we, we as always, with all of our research, we encourage people to to check the math, right, to go in and see see what we did, um, and then, uh, you know, base their judgments accordingly. Yep, that's right. We have those discussion guides and the appendices and, and try to just, yeah, have as much of that information out there as possible. So, Mike, getting close to wrapping things up, I was thinking about those audiences for this project and the report. If there's one takeaway from this overall project, I mean, what did you come away with? Well, for me, I mean, I would like to, I'm generally, I think, a kind of optimistic person who looks towards the future to try and uh, try and solve problems and others. And I think the section, uh, one of the sections that we uh, kind of conclude with is looking at these new conversations. So a lot of the questions of accountability are unchanged, like the, these, the, these fundamental questions. But sometimes I think we have either waved our hands at them or elided them. And, and, and I think that we're just not going to be able to do that anymore. Uh, we're going to actually have to get to the root of some of these competing questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, some of these questions that, that we close the paper with that I think we need to talk about and we need to talk honestly and forthrightly about. So some of them are like, is the point of accountability systems to establish a minimum standard or to drive schools to be better, right? Yep. So looking at accountability as minimum standards versus driving excellence, Um I think we have to be honest about the trade-offs that are uh, included in that, the assumptions that are included in that, the uniformity that may be included in that, um, and really and be honest about what's happening. I mean, another question is like A through F grading, right? Should we try and roll up all of these disparate measures that we have in one thing? So whether it's A through F grades or whether it's like some sort of performance index or others, what are the pros and cons of trying to do that? Right. I think. Can we have strong accountability without uh, enforcing uniformity? Again, weighing these trade-offs between having something like a uniform um, A through F grade or performance metric or whatever and lots of different things that schools want to do. So a fourth question that we definitely need to wrestle with is, do we trust parents to know more than the school system? And I think we sort of put our cards on the table as big school choice advocates that we do. We trust parents, but we also recognize that not everybody thinks the way that we do. And in order to have some kind of accountability system, particularly accountability systems in a system of schools that has a lot of school choice, 
we have to weigh out, well, how much do parental preferences express in the types of schools that they choose? How do we weigh that against some of these objective measures that we, we think that we value and that we would like to collect? And then finally, I mean, there is this big question about, like, what is the unit of analysis? Mm-hmm. You know, we've talked about, generally speaking, with accountability, the unit, the unit of analysis is the school. But then with teacher evaluation, we said, oh, no, it should actually be the teacher. But with a lot of stuff that's happening around personalized learning or others, is the actual unit of analysis the student? I mean, do we care about things, again, in a more school choice rich world? Do we care much more about fit? That is to say, we may have a school that on average and in aggregate performs highly on a set of metrics that we care about, but there may be students that will not thrive in that environment. So it may not be that we what we call, quote unquote, a great school might not be a great school for everyone. And how do we think about that? And how do we measure that these really complicated notions of things like fit? So hopefully what, what, what I hope people take away from this is rather than using this to kind of man the ramparts of their particular views about school accountability, use these insights to think about some of these fundamental assumptions that we have, to think about these questions that still, after 20 years, remain unresolved, and, and maybe maybe question your own assumptions. I know certainly in having these conversations and listening to these folks, it caused me to question some of the things that I think yeah. and hopefully get a much finer-tuned opinion about some of these things, and that's that's what I hope folks will take away from it. Yeah, likewise. I mean, I, I definitely... Just talking with different people, I was learning things from different perspectives. And your point about questioning current assumptions, my own, and then also I think the way policymaking has kind of gone forward the last 15, 20 years. And it seems like going back to what we were talking about earlier about this being a window of opportunity as ESSA starts to roll forward and implementation plans are being proposed at the state level. I mean, it seems like we have this window right now for the next year or two to really to step back and to question those assumptions and to be open-minded to these different stakeholders who have been affected through accountability policies and to see if maybe there's a different path to go on and whether, you know, along those five different questions that you laid out about these kind of new conversations that we can have. So... That's really my takeaway as well. So what do you kind of expect to come from this report and or hope to come from this report, you know, after it's released and kind of percolating out there? Do you see any follow-up or how could people from these different types of affinity groups or other perspectives, you know, be using this type of report? Sure. It's tough for me because I, I tend to view things from the perspective of a researcher. Um, and so maybe that's my bias will be showing here. But one of the things that I took away from this, a great opportunity, whether it's a a young enterprising researcher that needs a dissertation topic or other folks out there that are interested, in this report, we uh, list this incredible spread of data that folks uh, thought could be useful in in, uh, better understanding how schools are operating. In some places, schools are collecting them and other places that they aren't. But I think there is a wealth of research to be done looking into those metrics. What do they actually tell us? What are the ways to measure them? Are there better and worse ways? Are there some things that, frankly, just can't be measured? Um, Are there 
tools that we're using now that are bad. So, so that section on the kind of new data moving forward, I think would be ripe for tons of interesting research, tons of interesting conversation, because we just don't know for a lot of this stuff. We just don't know yet. We don't know how to measure it, or we have very, very basic tools to measure it now that could conceivably get more sophisticated. Um, we don't know exactly how it's used, all of that. So, so that, to me, I think, you know, there are multiple lifelong research agendas uh, in those lists of, of data that we brought up. So I just think there's, there's a whole wealth of possible research lines that are in there, and we'd be more than happy to um, try and be helpful in any way that we can. So if there's a researcher that's listening to this podcast who would like to spend some time thinking about or talking about these things, shoot us an email, give us a call. We'd be more than happy to chat with you about ways to think through this. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there is a lot of potential research questions to be examined and investigated. And hopefully this could provide, you know, maybe some kind of a roadmap for grad students and PhD students doing their dissertations or researchers who are, you know, early on in their careers. Along the lines of roadmap, I mean, I, I think one thing I see that could hopefully come from this report and that this just really generates those questions. I mean, it's like that last part that you were talking about to hopefully encourage people to think about these kind of questions and about challenging assumptions because we've been on a kind of glide path for a little while when it comes to accountability until the last few years with the Every Student Succeeds Act changing things up a little bit. And so hopefully this moment of a pause gives parents, teachers, principals, hopefully they have the chance to maybe pursue one or more of these types of questions especially to those who are in policymaking and decision-making positions and to kind of hold them accountable. Absolutely. Well, folks, I think that's all for this episode of EdChoice Chats. Uh, you can download the new report at edchoice.org backslash accountability ecosystem, which is a little bit of a mouthful, but it's not too bad as a URL. But thanks to all of you, our listeners, for tuning in. And just a quick reminder that you can subscribe for more EdChoice chats on platforms like SoundCloud and on iTunes, and we'll catch you on our next podcast. Take care.